correction, please. I'm not 86. I'm only 85. <laughs> you know, I want to thank the Academy for the honor of being here. And uh, I was thinking this morning, trying to figure out what did I do to deserve this honor? And the only thing I can do is reflect back a few years, as a matter of fact, quite a few years, to my childhood in Denmark. As you were told, I was trained to be an acrobat in vaudeville and circus, and I performed in the Tivoli Theater in Copenhagen in 1908. I was nine years old. And I traveled all through the Scandinavian country wherever we could get an engagement. I went up to about the fifth grade in school. The problem was that whenever we had an engagement, I was yanked out of school, so I never got much education. I usually tell the story about the fifth grade. They kicked me out of there. One day I come in. And I have forgot to shave, so they chased me out. <laughs> That's the best I can do. <laughs> well, in Denmark, at that time, if you didn't have money, that, that means that that ended your education at about the sixth grade. And you, I was 13 years old, and... Uh, then you got a suit of clothes, you got an umbrella, and you got a cigar holder. I often wanted, and then you were kicked out, and you were supposed to be a grown man, and you were on your own. So I went out on a stock farm in Denmark, and I worked in different stock farms for a while, and then I got a job in Circus Human in Copenhagen, and I became a stunt writer for the Great Northern Film Company. But I wanted to be a cowboy, and I wanted to get to America. But the First World War was on, and the borders was closed, and I couldn't get out until in the fall of 1918. And I got a job on a boat as a cabin boy. And uh, I want to tell you this. On the morning of December 30th, Early in the morning, it was foggy, and we steamed into New York Harbor, and I saw the Statue of Liberty, and that was the greatest sight I had ever seen. So I slid down the anchor chain. I didn't want to go back. <laughs> and I had an aunt who lived in Brooklyn, and I was trying to get out there, and I could speak just three words, yes, no, and sure. The reason for sure was whenever I heard anybody talk, they would always say, oh, sure, yeah, sure, you know, so I would say, sure, though. I, I had a slip of paper with the address in Brooklyn, and I showed it to somebody, and they pointed down the hole in the street and all, I didn't know what it was, but I went down there, and it was the subway, and of course it was New Year's night, and there was a mob of people there, it was just a mob of people. The train came in, 
the doors open and people used to stampede out of this train, almost knocked me down, and I used to, in Denmark, be very polite, and I stepped back and took my hat off, and I got back and the doors closed and the train went away. <laughs> well, that happened a couple of times, and I finally got in on the train, and I went, I think it was to youngest, and I showed the paper to somebody, and they pointed to another train. I went in there, and I went to Coney Island. <laughs> I got there, and somebody assisted on another one, and I went to Jamaica someplace. Anyway, I was on this train for two nights and one day. And I figured out I hold the record of the longest underground sightseeing trip of New York. <laughs> so when I got to my aunt's home, there was nobody there. She was out <laughs> celebrating. So I sat on the stoop for another day, but I was getting kind of hungry. So. That was before probation, and I remember I had a dollar and a quarter in my pocket. And I went in there, and I saw all these freelancers there. So I filled up on this freelance, and I paid a nickel for a glass of beer. That was my first experience in the United States. But anyway, I uh, don't want to lengthen this deal here. So I worked on several jobs. And I was fired from several jobs. I remember I got a job in an Italian candy factory. I couldn't speak Italian. They couldn't speak Danish. So it was all sign language. And I remember I grabbed a big plate of these brittle canvases, and they were sweat hot, so I dropped it, and all the candy, candy scattered all over the place. So I was fired. But anyway, uh, I met my wife at that time she used to run errands for my aunt and we were sitting in the movie one night and i saw the cavalry crossing the rio grande after Pennsylvania. so next morning i went down and i joined the cavalry and they sent me down to fort bliss now there was problem again i couldn't understand the language and i didn't know anything except about the horses, and I had no trouble when we started in with the horses. I was, had been doing all this trick riding and all that stuff. But actually, uh, on some of the exercises and all this stuff, uh, it was like a, a Charlie Chaplin film. I would go one way, and they would go the other way, and I would catch up and run all over the place. <laughs> so. They finally, uh, they sent us down to Presidio, Texas, and we rode horseback all down through Texas, down through the Big Bend District. I served 19 months down there, up and down the river, chasing these fellows when they came across the, the border. And then we were ordered up into Douglas, Arizona, and we had 92 head of horses in the troop and 22 pack mules, but we only had 30 men in the troop. So we turned all the rest of the horses loose, and uh, we drove 
all those horses up through Texas, to New Mexico, and into Arizona. I was discharged there in 1922. I bought a horse and a pack mule, and I drifted up through Sulphur Spring Valley and up into the Apache Indian Reservation. And all this time, I would draw pictures on any scrap of paper I could get, any piece of cardboard or wood or anything at all. I didn't have any canvas there, of course, and no oil paint. But in my saddlebag, I had a small book there, and I would draw horses, and I would draw what I saw. And I met a lot of old prospectors, a lot of old ranchers and cowboys and mule skinners and people like that, and it sure gave me an insight of what the West was at that time, and this was in the early 20s. There was hardly any automobiles out there, and it was all dirt roads. There wasn't a paved road in the whole state of Arizona at the time. It had only been a state for a few years. I uh, wanted to correspond with my wife, who was up in Brooklyn, but I couldn't write English, so I got a friend of mine in the trooper, Sergeant Jones. I got him to write the letters for me. And we would send him up, and we would get a letter back, and he would read them in front of the whole troop. So we had a big romance going, the whole troop, with my, with my wife. Later, when I finally got back up to New York in 1924, she says, where in the world have you been? We were supposed to have been married six months ago. I didn't know that because Jones had read that in the letter, you see. <laughs> well, I was short of money and I didn't have a job, but uh, I put an application in for the mounted police in New York. And of course, there was a problem there. I went to night school and I studied police procedure and the laws of the state of New York and regulations and so forth and so on. And I got into the department uh, in, the, in the fall of 1924. And due to my experience with horses, part of the time they'll send me out to the training stable to bring in green horses, new horses and stuff like that. Well, in that job, it gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of people of all walks of life, all over the place. To begin with, I was out in Sheepshead Bay, later on traffic in New York, and finally up in Central Park, stopping runaway horses. But I was constantly drawing pictures, and I used to go to uh, the museum, and I would study composition and brush strokes and stuff at the old masters, and then I'll go home and I'll paint in my free times. And I started to do etchings, and I bought an old plush, and I had that up in the attic. And sometimes I would do these etchings at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I had to go back on post at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, that went on for several years. As a matter of fact, one time I was out on post, and a patrol car drove up and says, you better get home because uh, your house is on fire. So I got off my horse into the stable, jumped off the horse, got in my car, and I rushed home. And when I got to the house, it was surrounded, and sure enough, the place was on fire. 
And there was FBI agent there, Secret Service people there, and police of all kinds. So I found out that it had burned a hole in the floor, and this press has fell down, and I had all these copper plates in there. So anyway, they figured, and I had a lot of ammunition for my gun, and that exploded. So they figured, here, here we had somebody making funny money. <laughs> I had some explaining to do because I was not supposed to engage in any other calling and stuff like that. But to get back to my paintings, for a while I patrolled down in the theater district and we used to tie our horses in back of the theaters because we had to get them off the street when we went for lunch. And one night I tied my horse in back of the old Globe Theater and I went into Will Rogers, he was performing in there. Most of you young people doesn't know who Will Rogers was, I don't think. He was one of the greatest humorists that I think this country has ever produced. And he used to spin a lash of a rope and he would tell all these jokes and stuff. So anyway, I met him and he was quite a character. He was from Oklahoma. And he loved, of course, horses, and he was an old cowboy, so I got talking to him. And he invited me into his dressing room while he was getting there. So I used to go in there every night, and I would talk to Will Rogers. And one night I brought in a little watercolor of some horses standing outside of a saloon. There was light in the saloon, there was snow on the ground, and there was three or four horses standing there. And of course, the cowboys were sitting there gambling in the saloon and stuff, and I gave it to him. And he looked at it, he says, my gosh, he says, that's really great. He says, that's great. But he says, uh, they've been standing there a long time, haven't they? I says, well, yeah, I suppose they have. Well, he says, if they've been standing there a long time, why isn't there some droppings there? I thought, by gosh, he's right. <laughs> so I took it home. And I fixed it. I put some droppings there and all that. <laughs> and I brought it back to him a couple of nights later, and he looked at it, and he says, well, he says, uh, that's great, but he says, uh, it's cold there, isn't it? I said, well, yeah, it's cold, and it's snow on the ground, they've been standing along, and there's the promise. He says, yeah, but if it's so cold, why in the hell isn't it steaming? You know, I thought that was going a little too far. <laughs> I retired from the police department in 1944, and of course I want to get back out west again, which is so I bought an old second-hand trailer, and my wife and my son, myself, and we started out west. And I went and I went through the old places, the Indian reservations, and the old ranch that I used to work for in New Mexico, and I started to exhibit my paintings then. Of course, in a lot of places I was turned down. I was told to come back again, and I would put paintings in this old trailer, and I would travel all over trying to peddle them. And little by little, the prices went up, and uh, collectors started to buy them, and I was invited to uh, exhibit in the Grand Central Art Gallery in New York, and later, in different museums, an art gallery, 
and that is how I started. Now, I want to give credit to the horse. The horse, I think, has been my greatest teacher. I have studied horses, and I had the opportunity on all conditions out west, sleeping with them, starving with them, and know just exactly what they will do on a certain condition, and I think that means a lot. So all I can tell you young people there is that you are really ahead of the game. You were born in the United States, the greatest country on earth. You have the opportunity to get a good education, and that is saying a lot. So you keep it up, and you will get there, believe me, as long as you keep at it. I thank you very much for listening to me.